Hi, I'm Rodney West, the Functional Lead at ISIS Technology. I'm here with Krista Wise, one of our managed services leads. Today, we're going to talk about cloud premium key features and functionality. So let's discuss the differentiator. Cloud Premium offers users a benefit, or they benefit from a number of key features and functionality enhancements over the standard plan. So some of these are tied to premium versus standard and apply to the broader set of tools, and others are more product specific. So the key features and functionality we're discussing apply to the level premium and are applicable to Jira, Confluence, Jira Service Management, and Cloud Premium. You know, anyone who's done anything for a length of time inside of Jira is going to find need for automation. It's kind of a, just a standard thing that everybody comes across, right? They go, okay, Jira, I need it to do this, but I don't think it does it. Well, when you start to look at the automation rules, you go, oh, oh, wait, I can put these conditionals in that do these special things, like you know, set this custom field value based on some other conditions or change the approvers or send out messages and do you know some nice branching and stuff, right? So it's something that everybody ends up using at some point in their Jira life. Now, automation rules are actually included in the cloud versions. One of the key things to keep in mind, though, is you have limits, basically thresholds around the number of automation rules you can run. In the premium tier, you actually have a higher threshold on the number of rules that each individual user can run at the global level, right? So basically, these are the rules that are used whenever you go, okay, I need to affect multiple projects. Or like in a JSM example, a request hits a certain phase in, in in its workflow, and now I need to create tickets over in a Jira software project for a different team to actually pull stuff off of a Kanban board or off of Scrum, however they work. Without a global automation rule, you're going to have to manually create tickets, do links back and forth. With global rules, you could have those tickets automatically be created. You can actually have some interaction between your service desk tickets and these other tickets in another project. But the key thing to keep in mind here is you have, you know, a thousand automated rules of the basically the global level per user. What the, this doesn't mean that, oh, this user hit a thousand, so they're out of luck. Basically it goes, okay, I have, uh, you know, XK users on my system. So I have multiply that by a thousand rule executions for the global rules. So that's the thing to keep in mind is it's actually a pool based on your user count, kind of the same way that your storage is a pool based on your user count, right? So on the side thing, this is kind of an important additional note to keep in mind and something that, you know, ISIS will talk to you about whenever we help you with your cloud migrations or basically, you know, kind of doing some of the right sizing and stuff on your systems is there's the tendency once people discover automation rules to just go ham on them, right? Just I'm going to create an automation rule for everything. Outside of the fact that do you want that many automation rules running every time something happens, you also need to consider, I don't want to you know, consume all my rules. I, I changed five issues, and now I've consumed 1,000 rule uses because I have 250 rules that are applying to every single issue in the system. So there's part of it, too, as far as your automation rule rule creation strategies that ISOs can talk to you about on this. But that's something to consider is you've got this high limit and, you know, it's just, it's carefully consider how you want to use that inside of the system across different projects. But, you know, it is one of the strongest features of inside of Jira. It's one that everybody uses at some point inside of their Jira lifecycle and they have a tendency to, to grow over time and they give you a more robust usage of Jira. Absolutely, Rodney. I personally love the automations add-on for cloud. I think it's a great and very significant add-on to include with the cloud instances. So that's wonderful.
Another uh, point to mention is admin insights, right? So you get better understanding of user behavior, who's accessing the tools, what products are being used in security. So you get that even more granular look at an admin level on what's going on with your instance and, and what do you need to do to maintain it. Good point, Crystal, on the insights. You know, one of the kind of the important things with using these insights is it's a great tool for trimming your user accounts, particularly in the JIRA service management agent counts, right? This is one of the things we see is organizations will toss in, they'll put everybody under the sun into their JSM agents. And then you look at it and you're like, wait a second, you're paying more for these licenses and hardly anybody's using them. You have 100 users and you have 500 licenses. Okay, you need to think about that. Or you need to look at that strategy, kind of going back to what I mentioned on automation, on some cross-project work. Does everybody that's using that license actually need that license? So the insights are actually a great way of doing that mapping and actually figuring out who should and shouldn't have access, who really is using the tools and who isn't. And you know, when it comes to when it comes time for you to do your quarterly or annual budgets, it's a great thing to have in your back pocket. You know, so one of the other things you know, I want to talk about in relation to some of the features you get whenever you're over the premium is to allow IP listings. And what that basically means is it gives you kind of a security level control in your system. These are the trusted IP ranges for our instance. You know, this is if you were working in an on-prem instance. You know, a lot of times you would have your instance sitting behind a firewall, right? You don't want people in the world to even know that a Jira instance exists out there. You don't want them to be able to, you know, try to get to it and say, hey, can I try to log on or whatever. It's a similar thing here with the IP listings. You know, it's not the same at the firewall level, but to a degree it is because it does provide that filtering going, okay, our organization has this IP range. Only our organization should be able to get to our cloud instance. And so you set up those basically those trusted IP ranges, and that makes it to where you have that level of control. So you don't have people that don't belong to your organization or contractors that you've actually said, hey, grant access. They don't actually have the ability to even try to hit. And right now, you know, basically you get about 100 IP addresses that you can that you can set up, you know, per one of these lists. This is one of the really, really great features. You know, and the interesting thing is you know, I see a lot of premium users that um, as with some of the other features, they may not realize that this feature exists. And that's one of the ones where I think you know, a lot more organizations, especially their InfoSec teams, would go, yes, we need to start adding things to this IP list because everybody else has to be on a VPN for everything. Let's add them in here. We're already making it so that people have to have Okta or something to get on there to actually log in. Let's just completely block the instance so that unless you're in our IP, you can't get out. You can't get here or unless you're on the VPN or whatever. Yes, love it. It's more of those security features that people are asking for, right? So another one of my favorites is the sandbox. And I mean, how often have you come across an organization that doesn't currently have a testing ground? It allows you to be able to preview and test and configure your changes, do your product updates, your new apps, your automation rules, and allows you to put those appropriate change management processes that are so much needed before you roll those out across the company. So a lot of folks um, really value that. And I think that that is a great ad in cloud. I 1,000% agree on this. This has traditionally been one of the bigger blockers on organizations moving to cloud. Wait, we can't have a staging environment? What do you mean we can't have a staging environment, right? Who does a workflow, you know, directly in prod? How are you getting that past your change management? This, you know, when they rolled this out, this is such a great addition at the premium level. It just, you know, yeah, you can have the case where you spin up other instances that, you know, you're kind of these test instances, you got to go jump through all these hoops. But actually having it baked in, I get a little excited about this one because I guess I come from a software development background. I don't like stuff that only has a production environment. 
that just my chest tightens up whenever I hear that. So yeah, same here. How often have you had to chase down who manipulates something in the product environment or production environment, right? Yeah, or they've gone and they've gone, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this custom field required and I just broke everything for everybody. Oh, it would have been great if somebody would have tested that. Hey, you know, yeah, we can look at the audit logs. That's awesome. But not at, you know, two in the morning when the team in Australia is working on the system and nothing works and I'm getting pinged on it that, hey, you know, track down Jira's busted. Exactly. And it allows people to test out the new features in the sandbox and make sure they're good to go before you go ahead and push it over to production. So that's huge. You know, one of the other features that I wanted to, you know, mention here in relation to premium, it kind of fits in that same people were asking for this forever. And this is actually something, you know, ISOs we've asked for a while too. It's the concept of the release tracks. The draw for cloud is you don't have to worry about updating your instances. You don't have to worry about updating your add-ons. That stuff just happens. It happens in the background. It happens automatically. It lasts you and put out more fixes. You know, they can patch something on a Thursday and, you know, you know it's transparent to you. It's just there, you know, Friday when your system roll, rolls up. But there is, there's an opposite side of this where for migration, you want the cloud instance to say the same. Or, you know, we're doing something internally and kind of go back to that staging environment. We want to test some changes out before we decide on a specific add-on or something, right? There's all kinds of different scenarios where you may not want the system updated for a specific time period, right? So you don't want it to be that on Thursday night, your system looks different than Friday and you just, you don't know when those are going to happen. But the regular model is using that continuous release track where it happens just whenever Atlassian pushes the changes or whenever an add-on vendor pushes the changes. The opposite of this, though, is the batch release track that Atlassian has made available. What this does is this goes, okay, instead of pushing all the changes every single time they're made, we're going to bundle all of the changes into, into two-week blocks. And so we get a predictable, hey, you know, this week we're going to have changes coming in. There's going to be changes to the add-ons. There's going to be changes to Jira, maybe changes to Confluence. But we have a more predictable schedule on when changes are coming out. And that is key for basically, you know, testing your system and, you know, planning. Like, you know, one of the things that, especially in large organizations, is creating documentation for the, on the change management side. So this basically makes it so that, you know, the bundles came out, our, our team responsible for documenting, documenting conflict changes for the large organization or for the add-ons, they're going to know Monday morning, okay, we've got to start working on new documentation for these changes that are coming in. And, you know, it may give them the jump even before that to go through and go, okay, Let's get this so that Monday morning when things come up, we have the documentation in place. In large organizations, that change management is essential because otherwise what's going to happen is, you know, that Thursday, Friday thing, Friday morning, you're going to get a ton of tickets coming in going, oh, my timesheets are broken. I can't put stuff in the work logs because, you know, it moves somewhere on the screen or a menu changed or, you know, something looks different and people don't know where it is. Or there's some new functionality on the plus side is there that people may not be aware of and they may not be able to leverage right away versus... You know, people may have been waiting for it and go, oh, okay, hey, this is here. Awesome. Let's rock. So that's why, you know, release tracks are, you know, another one of those things that, that we've been waiting for in cloud for a long time. And at last, and pushing it out there has just been great. Those are great points, Rodney. Absolutely. So let's talk about Jira Cloud Premium Advanced Roadmaps, right? Some great points to mention with this is that it supports building plans and tracking work across multiple teams and projects, which is huge. How many times have you heard a client say, you know, I need a way to have an overview of all of the initiatives and things that are going on in my organization at a high level so that I can, you know, plan for capacity. I can, you know, look at dependencies and prioritize, right? So just... Having that advanced roadmaps in cloud premium is a huge plus. It absolutely helps determine, you know, the best course of action for people that are planning those higher level initiatives all the way down to the task and the subtask level. 
Yeah, you know, one of the other things that, you know, is now available, you know, in Jira Cloud Premium is the project archiving functionality, right? And the important thing with that, anybody who's been using like data center knows how good project archiving is, right? The old model of, okay, let's create a read-only scheme on this and let's change the name of the project to archive-original-name or z-original-name, you know, if you're using that as, as your prefix or, you know, bracket X at the end, like those are three common ones we see. It's good from that perspective, but those projects are still in the index, so it can take, you know, kind of longer on, on background indexing that cloud's always, cloud's always doing, although it's, it's pretty efficient on doing that indexing. But, you know, it ends up being clutter. Like, you know, I go through and I look at the project list. Oh, that's, that's great, but I still have all these archive projects, these soft archive projects listed in there. Well, now that they actually have that functionality that you're used to using on, like, you know, data-centered archive projects in cloud, it still makes it to where the projects are there, but it has that significantly lower amount of clutter and, you know, it, it's not showing up in searches and things the same way on the system. So this is one of those things that, that you definitely, you know, want to make sure you start leveraging if you're in the cloud. Let's talk about the Confluence Cloud Premium Analytics. So with this, admins can see what's happening within Confluence at a much more granular level. So it's got space and page level reports. It can determine what content is most useful and then also kind of give you that high level view so you can make decisions, right? So the important thing is, is you know, being able to remind users to read important information on the pages. So if, you know, if you've got a team and you've got some information in there and you want them to, you know, be sure to read this information, these analytics will allow you to do things like that, which is great. So you can curate information as a template. So using templates to, you know, save time and effort, you know, who doesn't love a template? An admin key allows temporary access to pages and troubleshoot permissions. So you'll be able to curate information as a template, which is great. And the admin key allows temporary access to pages to troubleshoot permissions. So that's also wonderful so that you can have that time to troubleshoot permission issues and still allow temporary access to your pages. You can inspect permissions functionality quickly to see active permissions for a user and also bulk archiving, right? So if you've got a lot of pages that are no longer viewed or people do not feel they have value, you can go ahead and bulk archive instead of doing it one by one, which is wonderful. Before I move on to, you know, you know, another, another feature, you know, one of the, one of the things in Confluence, I'm embarrassed that I didn't realize that this has been added in there is that admin key allowing you access to look at pages. You know, I was actually working the other day on a migration and there was a page somebody raised in UAT that they were having issues with. And it's always such a pain because you first, you got to go down, you've got to add yourself to the space permissions. Then you got to hope you can actually, if there's restrictions on the page. You got to get around those. There's all these things you have to do. And as an admin, it's more painful in Confluence to actually figure that out. And then I saw this nice little button going, hey, do you want to view this anyway with your site admin key? And I'm like, when did they add that button? And I was like, this is awesome. And it makes, from my selfish standpoint of doing migrations and having to deal with issues people raise in UAT, being able to see that and have somebody go, oh, this page is broken. And for me to go, okay, I need you to grant me permissions versus I click a button and I can see exactly what's going on here is awesome. So I'll move on, but you know, like I said, I, I found that like a week and a half ago while I was working on something, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be using this all the time. So okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to stop gushing over this feature. Like I said, it's I know a lot of the features I you know I make a big point over are the Jira ones, but this makes my life significantly easier from the migration perspective and from just the advising the client's perspective whenever we're looking for issues. So one of the other one of the other features, kind of jumping back over to the Jira and JSM side that I wanted to bring up is premium incident management inside of JSM. So one of the things that is included 
if you have a premium JSM license, is an Ops Genie standard license. You know, Ops Genie is your incident management hub, right? So it's doing your alerting. It's basically handling incidents whenever they come in, right? You, you have your portal, you have your service desk, but Ops, Ops Genie handles you know, a, lot of, a lot of the more granular communication levels and things. And hey, making sure the right engineers get pinged. At, okay, I'm going to say this quietly, two in the morning when a problem comes up, right? So that P0 comes in, you know, it's going to help direct all that stuff. So, you know, this is one of the great features and that, you know, and, and we have clients that are, are moving to premium specifically for this because they want Ops Genie and they're like, wait a second, if I, if I move up to premium, then I get the Ops Genie standard license with that. Okay, I'm moving to premium, right? It's enough of a feature add to actually push people up to the premium tier, right? You can have, you don't have to have premium to have Ops Genie, but then you're, Paying for them separate, it makes your license licensing more complex. This is a, you know a great addition, right? So it gives you that incident command center. It gives you you know tools for basically automating the creation of those incidents inside of Ops Genie. You can actually work on the Jira side on doing that, hooking into your Ops Genie service. You know, it gives you that unlimited number of incidents per month from this. You know, and that's that's one of the great things. You know, another thing, and this is tied sort of to it because it's it's information you may want to know during an incident. That it doesn't require specifically using the incidents though is the addition of basically assets inside of JSM. And that, you know, previously used uh, Insight Asset Management, or if you've been using it for a lot longer, you know, it is Riata Asset, Riata Insight for Asset Management, right? It's, you know, Riata Insight and then Atlassian for, you know, basically as, as the course that, that that product has gone. That's a feature that, you know, is very powerful for providing you an object model inside of Jira. And now that it's included in JSM as part of that, you know, whenever you have these instances that come in and you have requests that are backing them or that are related, you can also go in and you can go, okay, let me see what assets are related to whoever may have been the reporter or basically whatever else I may have associated with this incident. Yeah, those are some amazing callouts. That totally amazing, and and I totally agree. I mean, you can use Ops Genie with Jira, and then also you know to know who's on call, right, for an incident, so that your teams can focus on the troubleshooting efforts and doing what they need to do. You know, not having to look for who's in charge of this, who's in charge of this product or this operational system. Ops Genie can take care of that for you. So Rodney, tell us what ISOs can offer, right? Clients that are looking to go to cloud premium, like what, how can we help? So ISOs has like our standard, we have migration services where if you have an on-prem instance, you decided, hey, it's the time we want to actually move to cloud now, we can help you with those server or data center migrations, right? Depending on where you're coming from. Additionally, if you have, you know, either you need multiple cloud instances that, you know, you have three different groups that purchased them on three different credit cards or internal teams that did it with the server under the desk model, we can actually help you do those merges. Or if you have mergers and acquisitions where you bring in other companies that may have their own cloud instances, you can merge those in. Additionally, you know, there's kind of that hybrid approach where we merge on-prem instances into your cloud instances. So it's X cloud instances and Y on-prem instances merged into a single cloud instance. You know, and outside of that, it's having the discussions and deciding, hey, is premium actually the right option for you, right? Maybe premium isn't where you need to go. You know, it's, it's looking at that going, it, does this make sense for you now? Does this make sense for your longer term? Do you want to go up to premium? If you're in premium, should you stay in premium? Or do you need to move up a tier or down a tier, right? So it's it's kind of that, that right-sizing for your needs both now and kind of your scaling over time. I'm Rodney West, the Functional Lead at ISOS Technology. Thank you for joining Crystal and me today to discuss cloud premium key features and functionality. If you're interested in more details, download our white paper at isostech.com today.